it's Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. This is the show for folks who think orange villains with bad hair should only exist in comics and not be running for president. Uh, tonight, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so tonight we've got a special guest, but before we introduce him, uh, of course, I want to bring on my co-host Alana. How you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, doing things about orange villains with strange hair. So, um, and I'm really excited to have our guest. He's somebody whose art I've been enjoying for a while, and I've been talking about getting on the show, and then he has a new book out, so I had a perfect excuse to do it. Yes, yeah, I'm, I've been a huge fan of his work, so I'm super excited. He's one that I've wanted to be on the show for quite some time. Uh, but let's dive right into it. Uh, so our guest for tonight is Steve Lieber, who's studied art at the Joe Kubert School. Uh, his comics have been published by DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, Valiant, and, well, if basically you name it, he's done it. Uh, he's known for his work on, on Whiteout, a, a fantastic graphic novel, one of those uh, classics. Um, that you'd suggest for folks who might be getting into comics or those who just want to read good comics. Uh, he's also done a superior foes of Spider-Man, one of my favorite runs and uh, comic series. I, I, to this day, I recommend it. And currently, uh, he's got a new project that's out from Image Comics that came out uh, this past week called The Fix. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're both fans, so it was one of those we wanted to have you on for, for a while. It's really great that uh, you're able to join us. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I, I'm excited about is that, you know, I feels like with The Fix coming out, you guys are really taking the sort of story and d- dynamics and, and themes that folks fell in love with in Superior Foes, and now you're, like, really able to make it your own thing um, in in your own image, you know, create your own comic. Uh, I, 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 so I was wondering, like, I, obviously you guys were working on Superior Foes together for a while, and do you, do you feel like the fix is sort of a continue? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Do you feel like the fix is sort of a continuation of the kinds of uh, capers that you were writing about in Superior Foes, or are you, are you trying to take it someplace else? Uh, it's, I think it's definitely a continuation, or at least of, of the, the kind of comedic strategies and ideas and and attitudes about what a what a terrible species we are. Um, there's uh, Nick and I have really similar senses of humor. Uh, and and we're, we're both amused by a lot of the same horrible behavior among people. Uh, I've I've always felt that that the the funniest people I've ever known are total sociopathic narcissists, <laughs> uh, and it's a real pleasure to put them on paper. So yeah, and, we should and, probably <laughs> so we don't have to deal with them in real life. Um, exactly. So I should probably just get folks a little bit of a sense about what the fix is about. You guys have like a couple sentence summary that you like to use. Sure. Um, it's about the uh, the worst police officers in Los Angeles uh, at war with the drug sniffing beagle. <laughs> the most dangerous, dangerous cop. Yeah, yeah the, the 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 usual the, the usual plot, really. And everyone <laughs> everyone's read this story before. Um, it, man it, versus dog. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's man versus, man versus dog. dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, 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 everyone. The, the three basic plots are, you know, man versus nature, man versus himself, and man versus a giant metal insect. But we we like to think we've extended that bit. <laughs> oh wow, I like that. Um, yeah, I really, 
I really just been describing it as being like a, a criminal caper book with like multiple K's because I've read too many comics in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's like, it's like a comedy and it's a detective story and it's like a, it has a bit of a buddy story to it. Um, well, at least to the extent that these characters are ever going to be capable of, of friendship and, and not just some sort of mutually exploitative arrangement. Um, it, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a big buddy dynamic to it. Uh, I, th- I think both Nick and I are reaching towards uh, areas of towards zones of pop culture that don't get as much play in comics and, and that we, we both have an affinity for uh, that, that folks just haven't really tried to do much on paper. Um, certainly it, it's, it, it's bizarre, but when I, when I came into comics, the idea of trying to do something funny was, it, it was, it was outre. It was, it was, mm. it was a bizarre thing to, to, to attempt. You know, the, the idea of doing a funny book that was funny, um, it, it, it seemed almost offensive to the idea that these things aren't for kids anymore. What, what, roughly when was that? Um, I started working in comics professionally in well, I started trying to work in comics professionally in 1990 and was doing it full-time by about 92. So that really was in the heart of the grim and gritty. Um, oh boy. Yeah. Couches, <laughs> yeah. Era. What, yeah. What was it like coming uh, I, in, like being completely and thank God completely removed from that aesthetic as, as an artist and creator? Well, uh, yeah. Um, I had come out of the Joe Kubert school, like like you mentioned in the intro, where I'd I'd studied under a bunch of terrific cartoonists who were mostly active in the in the you know, mid twentieth century. So I, I had a, a a toolbox. I had a set of tools that were state of the art for about nineteen fifty seven, uh, and <laughs> and you know I, I and I came into a market and I I came into the the in, out of school and into the nineties market and I felt like, you know, Mel Torme at a, at a Metallica show or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I, 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 I always managed to find uh, one project or another where we're doing what I do was, was still appropriate. And I've, I've just kind of wrote it out and got better at what I'm doing until finally you know, the market opened up to my own interests. Wow. That's, yeah, that's impressive. I mean, I guess it says something to say about like classic will eventually always have a place, perhaps. Uh, I, I I like to think that it's 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 advice I would hesitate to give to a young artist, just because what if I'm wrong? Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I would you know I I would never assume that 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 what I consider to be good taste is ever going to win out. Um, I, I I figured that that. That there's endless capacity for 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 things you know for, for things to go badly. It just happened that they didn't. Um, and as it as it turns out, right now I think we're in a golden age of comics. There is just a ton of really spectacular work coming. And uh, instead of folks trying to reach the one audience that existed when I was coming into comics, they went and built new audiences. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I I don't know like I I'm you know Brett and I are about the same age and we both began reading comics during the like well actually Brett was reading earlier than me so it wasn't that he was, was probably before the yeah so he you were there before stuff was gritty and pocket filled but I began reading comics <laughs> during the gritty pocket filled time and I didn't like the aesthetic even then I, I so it's kind of strange that I kept through it but um 
but it's it's very prescient, you know, like I mean the Kubert school like being a like existing as a comic book creator, the training ground run by like classic comic artists. I mean what 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 drew you to taking that particular approach into your studying and then, you know, therefore to your art? Well, uh, at the time, it was the only school that taught comics that I was aware of, um, and, and how I and how I wound up there was just bizarre. Uh, I was on a at the time I was on a full ride scholarship in the business program at Penn State, um, and taking a couple of art classes and thinking, gosh, it'd be nice to, to pursue this more seriously. It's always been my first love, um, and I was working working my night job, and flipping through a fanzine I'd picked up that had interviews with, with some artists I really liked, uh, Stephen Bissett and John Toddleman, who were Hubert School graduates themselves. And in the interview, they're talking about what a great experience it was and how much they learned. And I'm just daydreaming about how great this sounds, but it, it, it seemed impossible. Um, and just then, the, a customer came in and looked at what I was reading and said, oh, is that an interview with Stephen Bissett? He, he went to the same school I go to. Uh, and it turned out this this guy was was a QB on break, uh, and I I talked to him, got got the deal in the place, sent away for the catalog, um, I, uh, applied and and got in and gave up my scholarship and caused havoc in my family and smash cut three years later I'm, I'm out looking for work. Wow, what was you know creating comics something you always wanted to do or was it was it more of like your you know into comics and you could also draw. I was, I was uh, dangerously medically obsessed with them <laughs> going back to about the age of three or four. Um, somewhere I've got uh, a thing I wrote in the first grade where they, they asked us what, what we wanted to do for a living. Um, Cowboy didn't work out, but the other thing I put down was, was comic book maker. Oh. And sure enough, there it was uh, as, as a 10 year old, I, I would haunt the library. Our local library only had about five books in the comic book strips, et cetera, card catalog heading, but I read them all over and over. Um, I would actually get, get uh, microfilm and read the daily newspaper strips from the, from the 30s and 40s. You know, just <laughs> I'd, I'd read the one page of comics, blast through the microfilm reader, uh, all 100 pages of, of of that day's paper. Get to the get to, get to the next day's. Read that day's comic strips, and just annoy the hell out of everybody sitting near me in the library for hours reading that stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to buy new comics, so I had to find comics any way I possibly could. Um, my my family was kind of broke, but uh, <laughs> I could get old comics from flea markets, or there were stores that sold. Uh, stripped books, if you've heard the term. Um, yeah. When when you yeah when you yeah. sell uh, when you sell uh, comic comic books on a newspaper on a newsstand, if they don't sell, you rip the cover off, return the cover for credits, and then destroy the rest of the book. <laughs> uh, but some, some folks in lieu of destroying them would would sell them to to some bulk jobber who would who would then turn around and sell them for you know ten for a dollar or something like that. Uh, what that meant though was that. I could never get two issues in a row. I just got whatever didn't sell very well. Um, I would say there's something yeah, but, or there was something fun about back in the day that you couldn't do that and you had to go and kind of roll the dice about getting issues in a row. Oh, totally. Or I'd, I'd buy. I don't know if they still do this or not, but they would they would bag three comics mm-hmm. in, in in a sealed plastic bag, and, and you would 
you, you can try to pry it apart, but you could never really see what the middle comic was. And as a result, I wound up just getting stuff that I, w- that I would never have sought out to purchase. But if I was getting three comics for a quarter, I wasn't, I was, wasn't going to leave one of them unread. So I, I worked my way through the canon of Harvey comics and, and strange Carlton mystery comics and things like that pretty well just, just by being forced to buy that third comic. Hmm. So I get uh, thinking of it like so. I mean, you mentioned that you were kind of you're going to business school. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like having that background has helped you in the industry? We, you know, you hear about a lot of you know creators getting bad deals or not you know having like the greatest financial situations, and it's got to give you at least some insight or like a better put you in a better footing Definitely than others. So. Definitely so. I, I, it would have helped if, I, if I'd stayed in longer or been a better student, uh, but just <laughs> just even a, a basic awareness of the concepts that, that, that go into things. And um, my grandparents ran a store. My father was a salesman for most of his life. Uh, I, I, I grew up very, very aware of how numbers worked and uh, how, yeah, how the cold equations of business can, can make or destroy your life. Hmm. Well, well, when you were um, growing up and reading a lot of comics, like what were the bigger influences that you had on your work, and also just what were the ones that you most enjoyed reading then? Wow, uh, I, my my biggest focuses were were uh, superhero comics and, and Peanuts paperbacks. Uh, I I read all I read them all obsessively. Like any comic that 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 crossed my path, I would read over and over and over again. Uh, my life as a kid wasn't wasn't that great, and the, the life I had inside paper was a whole lot better than the life I had on Earth, uh, if you know what I mean by that. Um, yeah. Uh, but as for influences, uh, I I any picture I liked I would copy. I would I would stare at it and I would I would lay tracing paper over it and trace it, or or try to copy it into it into a, a cheap newsprint pad. Um, I had a great experience where uh, Marie Severin at a at a comic book convention I went to when I was ten uh, did a drawing for me in, in front of me and just just whipped it out with a magic marker and I took that thing home and I copied it over and over and over again and yeah, I owe a tremendous debt for, for for showing me what it looks like when an artist actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but as the biggest influence on me in making me aware of what a cartoonist can do would probably be Bernie Craigstein, which is a, a pretty heady influence for, for a 10 or 11 year old kid. But um, the the main branch of the, the Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh had this big, gorgeous EC Comics reprint volume that uh, that featured uh, Craigstein's eight-page masterpiece, which was called Master Race. Um, and it's it's a story that, that should have just been a dumb little thriller that he, he elevated to art uh, just by, by virtue of, of really, really fierce intelligence and, and, and smart thought about what, what pictures could do in juxtaposition with each other. Um, art Spiegelman did a, a 25, 30-page analysis of this decades before he ever did mouse. Um, and anyway, I was, I was reading that story master race and it was the first time I ever became aware of how a cartoonist can manipulate a reader's perception of time 
by what he put in the pictures and, and how he shaped the pictures. And it was, it, 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 if you could imagine the audible click of a Lego, of two pieces of Lego coming together, that was the, the, a piece of information just snapping in my head and, and making me understand how things worked. And at that point, I sort of transferred my, my fascination in comics from the characters to the process of making the comics. And that put me on the path towards, towards wanting to do it professionally. Wow. It didn't mean to come back with an actual origin story, but there, there you yeah. go. Yeah. No, it's really, I mean, I think that the craftsmanship of you having approached art that studiously, like your whole life basically is something that makes a lot of sense. And you're, yeah. you know, and what you're doing now. So I was, I was very Malcolm Gladwell about it. You know, it was, it was, a total 10,000 hours of, of hard study thing. I, I, I wish I had been more focused on, on making um, completed drawings of their own object of, of, of on their own. Uh, my, my focus as a cartoonist has always been the juxtaposition of pictures. Uh, so I, I never got the, uh, the love and obsession of making an individual image as gorgeous as possible, which is an entirely separate skill than one that, I know how it works, but there's 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 so many people I admire who can just run circles around me on that. I mean, but, honestly, yeah, sequential is harder, if you ask me. I really think so. Keeping faces consistent from frame to frame and being able to have the action be easy to follow. And that stuff, which you guys, I mean, you really nail in the fix, actually. I mean, in all of it as well. But, uh, like, everybody is distinct. I can tell who all the characters are. One of the things I frequently complain about in comics are artists who make everybody have the same face shape and like you could only tell people apart based on like the color of their unitard basically. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, if that's the sort of thing that's forgivable if you're drawing GI Joe with 50 characters or something like that, mm-hmm. but it, it's, 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 it's such a fundamental thing. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's like knowing to, to, to shine a light on the star of your, of your stage play or something that, that it always amazes me when people don't do it. Sometimes I, 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 I put a lot on deadlines, to be honest, like, oh, yeah. maybe because everybody's working under, especially like when they're working for like the big publishers, like these like crazy deadlines. And I'm like, I'd like to think that if artist X, Y, and Z had more time, I wouldn't be looking at people with identical body shapes and faces. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. And, and I'm always stunned that, that, that larger publishers with corporate properties that they're trying to protect don't issue model sheets. Um, it, it seems like the most basic thing in the world. Uh, if, if you're, you know, you're trying to keep a, a dozen different artists working on one character consistent, you give them model sheets that shows all their relative proportions to each other, um, and so that that everybody's on the same page with the stuff. But I remember I, I did a story for DC Comics this like a decade and a half ago, and Jimmy Olsen was in it, and I wasn't sure how they were draw, drawing Jimmy Olsen at that point. So I asked, you know, do, do you have a model sheet? Do you have a style guide for them? And they sent me three pictures by three different artists where the, there was like a 25-year range of ages between these, these three drawings. One of them mm-hmm. was was done in Bruce Timm's style. Another was it was just a manga character with red hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, the, and the third was, was kind of a, a, a photo reference realist where the guy had clearly just traced a photo of his buddy. He'd, he'd given him a bow tie. Oh 
<laughs> well, this 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 isn't helpful. Um, and and it, yeah, it yeah, I I I shouldn't say I, I I don't know why they don't do this. They they don't do this because they're they're hideously understaffed. Um, and there's the, you know the, there's nobody whose job it is to make these things internally consistent, um, but it, 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 it just seems really short-sighted to to not protect your characters and try to and try to make it look like everybody's on the same page. Would it have the I mean, sides make it easier for the staff? Oh, totally, totally. Um, but but along with that, you have to enforce it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not everybody's not everybody's willing to do that, and sometimes um, you, you can't get uh, the hottest artist uh, to play in your sandbox if he has to draw so that if he has to draw a character so that they look like the way look the way somebody else drew them. Um, I mean, I, it, yeah, I I just keep thinking about like during the fourth when Kirby was drawing the fourth world, they had like Kurt Swan go back and like redraw Superman's face like everywhere mm-hmm. basically. And yeah. that's, that hurts. Uh, in part because I, I think you could probably still tell who Superman was, even though, even if it wasn't done in that style, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think there, there definitely should be room for stylistic variation with it. It, it um, John Byrne, uh, I, I I'm looking for uh, John Byrne, explained this one pretty well by saying that everybody should be looking like they're everybody's drawing should look like, look like they were looking at the same model when they drew them uh, like it can be you know, yes. and while yeah the, the same person is standing upon the pedestal holding the pose even yeah. if everyone's interpreting them differently yeah I mean and, and it you know and it, and if and if somebody's going to like change something like have it there have there be like a real motivation and like always air towards like more diversity rather than less. That would be my oh, totally. addendum. Oh good. No, no, no. Um, it, it's something that, that character designers get in their first year. You know, you, um, when, when designing characters, you design them so that they've all got uh, completely distinct silhouettes so that even if the character is completely blacked out into a silhouette, you can always tell exactly who everybody is. Well, yeah, I, I really wish that this wasn't such a consistent problem. And I, and I also find that a lot of the comics that where everybody looks the same, the default of what they make it is really bland. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was a problem that, or, or, the fact that that's kind of an industry expectation was a problem that I had early in my career. Um, I could pretty much draw anybody except for Hollywood pretty people. And yeah. and that was, for a lot of editors, that was all they, they wanted to cast their books with. And right. and I get that, you know, they're, they're working in, in under narrow commercial constraints and they've, they've got certain expectations that their audience is coming to the book with. Um, but it, it felt really, really narrow and uninteresting. That's so interesting. I'm looking at the fix right now as we're talking again. And um, it's, you have, like, attractive people, but they're all, like, attractive people who look like normal people. And then you have unattractive people. Like, there's a range of mm-hmm. attractivity, which is definitely something a lot of books won't do. But, like, even your good-looking people look like 
somebody I'd see and not like a god who you you wouldn't encounter in your you know real life. Yeah, uh, it's it's taken me a long time. I've learned how to do that, but it's it's so far from my interest. You know, it, uh, I have if if I have to draw like a, an unnaturally attractive person, um, I, I draw it the same way the same way I would draw. I don't know a, a car from 1920s. I have to I have to research it and think about it. <laughs> Sorry, <what's the> <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. It's like, yeah, it's like trying to get a get a get an obscure military uniform. Right, let's pull out the books and see what 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 a, what a person actually looks like who's who, who's in the movies or something. Yeah, well, I think I, like. I was, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I was, I was going to keep talking about this vein because it's an obsession of mine, but there's so many things we could be discussing. So please go oh, ahead. Sure. Um, well, so the, the, the question I've got is, so, you know, this is, is it, it's the second series you've done with, with Nick Spencer, right? Or is it the yes. third? Second, second. All right. Second. All right. How did you actually, um, you know, hook up and get, you know, uh, matched up together? Cause I mean, the, the two of you just seem to, you know, blend so well and today like I really feel that like to me there's so few teams of writer artists nowadays like it's just not something I I can really think of like oh these two like I I, they have to go together because they're so good I appreciate that Um, dumb luck (laughs) (laughs) the the short answer Um, I I got back on Marvel's radar a couple of years ago when um, Matt Fraction asked me to do a, a fill-in on Hawkeye. Uh, Hurricane Sandy had just happened, and he uh, he wanted to do a Hurricane Sandy story in the book and then give the proceeds over to uh, to a relief fund. Um, and of course, he wanted to put that out as quickly as possible. So he came to to me and one of my studio mates at Periscope, uh, Jesse Ham, and, and asked us if we could if, if we could each do half of a uh, of a a Hawkeye story and turn it around in, in zero days. Um, and we said, sure. You know, we're, we're both fans of, of the book already. Um, I, I did this, I did that Hawkeye story in a ridiculously short time. Uh, and it, it, there were, it, 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 it hit beats that, that most Marvel stories don't hit. Um, and that, and I think that put me back on the radar of, of Steve Wacker, who's, who was an editor of Marvel at the time. And he and Nick Spencer were talking about doing a villain book together. And uh, uh, Steve asked Nick if if he, he thought I would be a good fit for it. And apparently Nick said yes. Um, and they they came to me and, and I said, sure. And, and next thing you know, we're doing a book together. At the time, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a comedy book. Um, I, I think that that just sort of happened because uh, Nick wrote, a very loose kind of Marvel style script. And when I saw opportunities to be funny in there, I leaned into it. Um, and, you know, in places where there was the possibility of a joke, I would turn it into a big joke and things like that. And uh, over time, Nick recognized that, that he, you know, he could, he could write humor for me and I, and I could take, take what he gave me, add to it and throw, and throw a spin back at him when I sent the pages back to him. And we kind of developed this this improvisational theater way of working together, um, where the, the script is full of prompts and suggestions and ideas, um, and 
I, I, I run with those and try to throw unexpected curves back at him when, when I send the pages back. That he plays, he plays on top of that in the dialogue and, and works off of it with the next batch of script pages. It's a bizarre organic collaboration. It shouldn't work. It should absolutely not work. Um, and I would never, I would never recommend that another but it works team well. work this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you would have very similar humor as each other, perhaps. Yeah, um, and, and we, we don't even even consult that much. Um, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally hit him up with a question by email, or, or uh, he, he might have an amplifying suggestion in an email. But for the most part, uh, it's just it's just handoff to each other, and somehow it feels like it's coming from one mind. So, like for a character like Josh in the fix, who's a bad individual, <laughs> like I <laughs> like how does like how how, how does his specific because so much of his story is told in pictures and not in dialogue. So like how much of his background is coming from you and him? Like, how does he get invented basically? Um, Nick tells me a little bit about the guy, uh, but most, most of what, what I know about him is, is sort of implied in the dialogue or in, in the suggestions uh, for, for what to draw. Like, you know, the, 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 there's a six panel page in there where we contrast his, uh, his his annoying behavior uh, versus his his psychotic and criminal behavior, um, and I think he just kind of gave me uh, a list of possibilities of, of things that might be that might be funny in juxtaposition, and <laughs> and and I go from there. And, and it helps that that I, I'm, I live in Portland, Oregon, and we're we're lousy with Josh's. We 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 have so <laughs> many of them right now. Uh, so you need, I'll, I'll never lack for material. All I have to do is go outside. Yeah, I was I was happy to see you work in the little topical joke against anti-vaccination people. That was oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I think like <laughs> yeah. you you had a really entertaining like Hillary Clinton, not anti-Hillary Clinton, in fact, at all. Uh, Hillary Clinton joke in um, Superior Foes. I feel like you guys have just enough like topical stuff for it to not seem like you exist in the netherverse or whatever, like to be like, no, this is like happening here and now, but without it actually being like a particularly, you know, topical book. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be a, 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 a political funnies review of, of the kind that, that, that has a sell by date of, of, you know, four months off and then it becomes unreadable. You know, no, no one's gonna, no one's pulling up their, their old comedy records to listen to Hubert Humphrey jokes or anything. Um, Boy, there's a dated reference for you right there. Jeez. I was like, well, sometimes I would, but I'm weird. No, um, yeah. but I, I definitely think like when you, when I'm looking at this, there's the way I was trying, the way I was describing this comic to someone I was trying to explain it to is each time you think you, they introduce you to these two criminals and you think, you know, oh, it's going to be these two bad criminals in a comedy. And as soon as you realize how bad they're going to be, you pull the rug underneath us and show us a whole new level of, oh, no, no, it's worse. And as soon as you get to the bottom of that level of how bad it is, you pull out the rug and you see underneath, oh, my God, no, it's actually, they're actually even worse than that. And it just keeps kind of going down. It's a constantly reveal of like, oh, this is awful. It's fish in a barrel to say this, but it helps a lot that that Nick lives in L.A. Um, (laughs) He, he uh, like I, I mentioned, I have an endless access to to horrible Josh behavior. Well, he, he, all he has to do is, is is step outside, and and he's got he's got the whole spectrum of of awful narcissism to 
to pay attention to. Um, and he, he's constantly able to amaze me. I draw the book. I know I, I generally know what's coming, but I'm frequently just utterly blindsided by a great development that he's pulled out of nowhere. Um, and that's, that's both utterly shocking and absolutely inevitable. Um, and it, it, it continuously makes me happy with, with that, 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 those, those sorts of, of flips are all Nick. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very, very active in, in the panel to panel sort of stuff, but, uh, those, 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 big, uh, those big reveals and surprises are almost always old Nick. For the, I was just so happy when I turned out that they were cops. I was like, oh, you're playing into my worldview. God bless you. <laughs> but uh, even if you weren't, I still think it would be such a, a great plot twist. And uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah, as, as for the political side of things, it's, uh, yeah, but it, it largely is my politics, but again, I, you know, even if it wasn't, um, I feel like comedy is, is 90% about rhythm and only 10% about what you're actually talking about. Um, if I, if I talk about this too much, it becomes the most boring thing imaginable, uh, or in advance, but I can, I can go on for hours about how, uh, I think a comedian could probably do a pretty good stand-up just making grunting noises at the right sa- at, at the right times, uh, mm-hmm. and, and 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 still get a laugh just by surprising people uh, with, with with when they go to to a deeper sound or a high pitch sound or something. It it, it uh, just like same with with comics. It so much of it uh, works on. On, on just where you put the shapes on the page. And, and it's impossible to talk about this without sounding like somebody's stoner roommate. Uh, there's, <laughs> I can't explain it at all. No, I, b- I believe um, it. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that you're done, um, like I love what you do with the, just the small cues and, and um, jokes that you've got kind of in the background. Um, you know, is there a point where, you know, you've either been told that you, you put in too much or, um, where it's like really shifted the the story. I mean, the, the, there's things I can think of in Superior Foes where so much was said just by like what you were putting in uh, with the with a nod or this like a, a, a thought bubble image or any of that stuff. I mean, it was there a point that you know you really changed the story with that, or or even they you know they told you to kind of dial it back. Uh, well, Marvel would Marvel would ask me to dial it back when I when I went beyond like what their standards and practices would allow. <laughs> I, 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 they, they now I think they now have a rule just for that just for me that you you can't pee on a corpse in a comic that has Spider Man in the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, but um, as far as like like actually affecting the rhythm of it or, or the way the story was going, um, both Marvel and Nick were very open to that. Like I said, it was a really it's a really organic collaboration. So if when I surprise Nick with stuff, he rolls with it and, and, and adds to it. Um, the, the the peeing on the corpse gag that that was me just improvising. Um, Nick had had given me several pages of dialogue to break down as I wanted, and the rhythm left a, left a half page uh, of open space that uh, that in, in the script as it was written just called for for boomerang to take a beat then respond and I couldn't I couldn't justify that much space to just 
to just a pause and then and then saying something. So I, I made up the gag of Boomerang fantasizing about murdering his lawyer uh, and then and then victorating on him. Um, and uh, Colleen Coover, my studio mate, uh, gave me the brilliant suggestion of of putting Boomerang's floating head right in the middle of the four panels. Uh, and it, it, it's it's a comic touch that's that's a hundred percent comics. It, it's nothing that would make any sense whatsoever in a movie uh, or an animation context. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I you know, we I just I just put that gag together because the the way the scene was was playing out, it it needed uh, it, it needed a, a a joke at that moment, and I, I knew I could get a giant laugh. Uh, with <laughs> with this completely random thing, uh, Nick fortunately uh, he liked it and 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 plussed it with some good dialogue, um, and I think that 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 helped define who who Boomerang the character was becoming in that series. I think one of the more entertaining things I've had to do re- recently was uh, explain to my wife Silvermane of a head on a remote control car. Uh, when she saw the toy, and I was like, "No, no, no! It totally works. Trust me, it's it's absolutely hilarious." Um, uh, so <laughs> seeing that toy was the, was the highlight of 2015 for me. Um, <laughs> I really need to go and buy oh, one because it's so cool. They made a toy. Of, sorry, I don't follow toys, but they made a toy that's Silvermane's head on like the remote <laughs> control like radio car body yeah. in the comic. Yeah, it's an uh, accessory uh, for I think like uh, Wizard or Speedster, whatever his name is. I think Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's, it's just, <laughs> just the, the the damnedest thing that that this joke that 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 Nick wrote and and I drew in the middle of the night uh, some, you know, somehow turned into a toy several years later. Uh, and, and I should note at, at the time, I thought this was just a throwaway um, a throwaway Shaggy Dog story. I had no idea that the character was going to come back. Uh, that was a surprise to me when I turned to that page in the script. Um, I, I had no no clue why we were giving over six pages to this to this digression, and then it turned to be a lynch, turned out to be a linchpin of the story. Hmm. Yeah, to this day I still laugh at it. I I I love it, and yeah, it's a it's a toy. I definitely need to to pick up. Uh, so there's a couple or Speed Demon. That's the character. So there's a couple scenes yeah. in that comic that. Um, I'm trying to like, so there was uh, some things of like when they were going to I think it was Tombstone or the Owl's Fortress to get the the picture, and it's like a two page spread and it shows all the levels and then going through traps stuff like that. Like how much is that the script and how much is that you coming up with that type of stuff? Uh, that was that was all me. Uh, Nick, Nick said uh, come up with uh, do some kind of diagram or map of the. Uh, of of his lair and and show and show the traps that are in there, um, and and uh, that's why I, I I dived in and at first I thought about about an overhead view, but I decided that turning it into a side scroller video game would be funnier, uh, which is if you look at that that diagram, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it's conceived, um, and and then I just started brainstorming what are funny things to have. What what are funny traps uh, in 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 that context? Um, and I did it the first time, and and I, I completely came up. I, I threw out everything I could possibly think of that would be funny in that context. And then several issues later, we had another one, and it was like, oh god, I gotta come up with more. Jeez. 
Um, fortunately, I, I share a studio with with a bunch of of weirdos and wise asses, um, and I can I can yell across the room. Okay, it, it's a it's a Russian crime boss. Uh, we, what does he have? We, 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 what kind of traps does he have in his in, in his lair? And Ben Dewey, who was walking past me without even pausing to, to turn and look at me, he, he just just with, with his eyes in the direction he was walking, he said, "Matryoshka doll full of spiders," and kept walking. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, well, okay, then there it is. Um, and uh, it, and, it, and the, the process of the book was always like that. It was it was just. just just coming up with, with, with the wildest ideas possible uh, and then somehow figuring out how to make them work in context. Wow. Yeah, there were so many hilarious moments in that comic and those, 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 those side-scroller scenes in the traps definitely worked for me. I mean, and the characterizations as well, just I, I, it was so funny, you know, getting all the different backgrounds from these characters. When you, when you assembled... Did, like when did you guys sort of discuss who you wanted your team of bad guys to be? Uh, I, um, I think uh, you, mean, you mean the initial cast or the, the initial cast? Yeah. Team? Oh, uh, uh, I, that I had no input on that whatsoever. That was all that was all in place um, b- before I was even on the project. I think Dan Slott used them in an issue of Superior Spider-Man. Oh, so I was picking yeah, up from there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if 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 he was using them because they knew this book was coming, or if he had used them and they decided, hey, let's let's turn them into a team. Uh, but it, I, I always feel like like knowing what's going on in, at Marvel is like knowing what's going on in the Kremlin or something. Yeah, you I just there's just satellites watching from a distance, and you see who's standing next to who. Oh, okay, he's in power then. All right, interesting. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, uh, that kind of stuff, I, I had very little input in. I, I, I did, I did get to do some picking and choosing for who was at the, um, the, the, the villains anonymous meeting at the church basement. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> uh, kind of going through, you know, who's the absolute bottom of the barrel in Marvel continuity. Uh, who's going to be, who's going to be at a 12 step recovery meeting for, for stopping villainy. Um, yeah, I, uh, the, I um, the whole series was brilliant. I, yeah. I loved the whole series. I mean, it was just I, yeah, it was one I constantly recommended, and every issue delivered and got me to laugh. And yeah, I I, I can't praise it enough. Um, just you know, the fact I, that people... good. Go ahead. I was like, go ahead. Okay. It's funny because uh, like we like you know we like villain series, but they're not they're they're not interchangeable like. I mean, this and Secret Six, like, are not the same comic. They're not. I, I was thinking, actually, like, in some ways, you, you have something which is, they're both funny and they're both dark, but yours definitely, like, leads with the funny and then has the dark, like, in it when you're not really expecting it. And Secret Six is almost, like, the opposite way. It's, like, dark and then it's funny when you weren't expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think what, 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 what set us apart from, from other books is that, there was just virtually no element of power fantasy in our in our storytelling whatsoever. Um, if it, you know, it's an impotence fantasy. <laughs> it's, we're, it, it, we're 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 looking at the, we're looking at, at folks with absolutely no control of how their lives are going. 
and watching them thrash amusingly. Um, God, that's dark. Wow, geez. Well, I actually, just all those <laughs> no, well, the, to me, like, the big thing was they're, you know, they all have these like cool powers or whatever, but they're all like relatable in many ways because they're just so much of screw ups and and have had you know you know like boomerangs instance where everything just kind of has spiraled out of control, and then you've got like Beetle who is a lawyer that decides that she wants to become a villain. Um, and it's just, it's, they're relatable. Like they're, they're, you know, it's, it's one of those few comics that, yeah, you know, there's fantasy and all that, but still, I think most people could see themselves or part of themselves in these characters. I, I, I think so. I, I, I certainly could, could see, yeah, I, I could see myself in every one of them. Uh, and I, and I was, and I was always able to sympathize with both sides of anything I was I was drawing, um, when uh, when 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 Luke Cage bashes overdrive with a folding chair, <laughs> I, 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 I've been on both sides of that conversation. You know, <laughs> I, I actually that was I was I think it's amazing that you you know going by the name Superior Foes of Spider Man and he makes no appearances and in fact the only like heroes who show up. Are yeah. Luke Cage? Four panels. Yeah. yeah. Spider-Man gets four panels in seventeen issues. Is is my count on it? Um, I did yeah, use that so, in my recommendations for people. I was like, well, the good news is Spider-Man's only in four panels of it. So, and and that, that's what's one of the other reasons we were that that it was any good is that there, there's there's very little IP that they need to protect in in a book like that. Yeah, uh, we can, you know, we can we can humiliate Shocker in all kinds of really amusing ways because you know, there, there's no no possible chance in hell that they're ever going to make a Shocker movie because his name is a sex act. <laughs> well, he was. <laughs> in, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, the thing is, he's been a, he's been looking back at like the Spider-Man stuff from the '90s. Like, they've treated him as a joke for a long time. But I think you guys just like I was glad to see you guys continued in that direction. Like, I it, you really just worked it well. Yeah, and and I I love drawing him, and, and I, I, I of all of them, he was my favorite character because uh, he, he, he was he was a crook without being just a genuine menace to society the way the way the way Boomerang was. Yeah, you know, Boomerang is as entertaining as we made him. You know, obviously, you know, the world would be better if he was hit by a meteor tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shocker will will rob a bank now and then. Um, yeah, swear swear vengeance on somebody, but in the in, in the in the overall run of things, he's he's not going to disrupt things too much. Boomerang, there's there's no limit to how much trouble he can cause. As is revealed in the series. Yes, yes, yeah, so Spoilers, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but of course, I I loved. Nick's choice of what his ultimate plan was that that made him so relatable, uh, even even after so many issues of of us laboring to to, to, to put him outside the human species. Um, <laughs> it, it you know it, it Nick found a motivation for him that that that, that immediately uh, I don't know if it put me on his side, but I could root for him a little. Yeah, we spent so much time talking to him at that point. Yeah. So, did you go f- like from that to uh, creating the fix and bringing it to Image? 
Um, Nick already had a very good relationship with him, and she's done you know, Morning Glories there for a long time and some other projects as well. Um, we knew we wanted to continue the uh, the creative relationship. It was it was terrific, and we ha- we knew we had something special and that we could keep doing it. Um, you know, image and image sounded great to me because that's the place to 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 bring a comic right now, um, both for, you know, from a creative standpoint and from a business standpoint. There's there's nowhere better to make your comics. Um, so that you know, the, the moment he suggested the possibility of that, I was on board. Uh, and it was just a matter of, of clearing, clearing the plates with our schedules and then getting to work on the project. Um, uh, when we, when we talked about what we were going to follow superior foes with, Nick came to me with three possible story ideas and they were all good, but this one was the one that I immediately, I can see, I could see panels from it before I knew what the story was. Mm. Um, and it, it it's it, it came it, and it's come out every bit as good as I hoped it would. Are any of those panels that you could see in your mind right away, like things that we've seen in the first issue that you could tell us what they were? Because I'm curious. Oh yeah, uh, the, uh, the 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 shot of the of of the our two leads uh, looking at each other, trying to hold their laugh in, and then bursting out in laughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, jerks being amused at how horrible they are, uh, and and I I, I I saw that and it's like yep, yep, and, and sure enough, Nick put it in, and I didn't even ask for him to put that in there. It was something I had visualized, and, and then he wrote it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like I probably like told the story of what was happening in this comic out loud to my husband, like in between reading it. Um. Because it was like, no, 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 you have to understand, they're wearing the same shirts. Both crime stories and comedy are genres that kind of live in the details. Uh, crime in particular, uh, it, it's, it's brought to life by, by nailing down small, correct details. And that, that's been a lot of the fun of, of telling this story. Um, whether it's it's the, the same Hawaiian shirt, um, or uh, the details of, of of what or how characters are eating, um, what they drive, where they live, it, it's it's something that I picked up in in, in reading crime novels. Is that uh, the folks who are good at this pay really really close attention to the mundane details of the characters' lives, and and I don't know why it's so important. I'm not I haven't. I haven't thought it through, thought it through clearly enough, but it re- it, it really clearly is, uh, and uh, it, hmm. uh, it 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 may be one of the reasons that 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 crime fiction is so compelling above and beyond the the the, the bare basics of the plots is that uh, the people who tell the stories right tend to create a tangible world for the characters to live in. And there's, you get that sense of possibility that if they if they turn right rather than left, an entirely different, interesting set of things could happen. Hmm. Is there That's any? Is there any like when you're since it's in LA? Are you know are you doing a lot of research on the city itself to kind of like make sure things are right? Or as far as the look, are there yeah. any influences like style wise that you know are kind yeah. of inspiring you? Stylistically, I, I 
I try not to, to, to look for my, from from any influences. Uh, I you know I, I look I I watch tons of, of of TV and movies over over the course of my life, and a lot of that's worked its way in. But as, but for depicting LA, it's just research. Um, I'll I'll ask Nick what neighborhood he thinks uh, a scene should take place in. I'll I'll go onto Google Street View and and drive <laughs> drive the Google car around the streets and, and look at buildings and and get a feel for the for the area. I'll it, I'll, I'll punch the name of a prominent business that's in the area into Instagram and see if I can find people's pictures uh, in front of the building so I can see what people are wearing around it. Um, you know, I, looking at things like Flickr and Instagram, I find are every bit as important as just finding out the basics of, of, of what the architecture in the area is because you want to get a sense of the life, not just a sense of the buildings. And you know, pe- people's poorly composed casual photos often have more useful information for a cartoonist than a really, really well-framed architectural photograph. Hmm. Ryan Hill's colors on this are super good. Oh, he's great. We, 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 we were so lucky to, uh, to get him. Uh, he's, he's right here in town in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to, to convince him to come, to come and work with me in Periscope studio directly, you know, be, be in the room with me. Uh, so we can you know, we can talk stuff out more, um, but phew, he's so good. I mean, the, the quality of the light and everything is just so perfect to like yeah. being in LA. Like, it's yeah. you know, um, and wow. he's, he's really story focused too, which is the big thing that I look for in the color artist. I was saying earlier how uh, I'm never really that big on making any one individual picture uh, impressive and attractive. Um, it, it's all about how they, how they, what happens when you juxtapose them. And while Ryan is great at making things look 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 shiny or gorgeous or or, uh, or gritty or whatever the appropriate thing is for the for the panel and making it all beautiful, he's also really really thinking about story. Uh, he'll shift from a natural from a naturalistic palette to a more stylized one to emphasize a change in mood. Um, he, he does a great job of making sure the, the subtle side of coloring is just controlling a, a viewer's focus, making sure that uh, there's a hierarchy to the order that you look at things when you look at a panel. Uh, here's the most important element. Here's the second most important element. Here's the third most important element. That's a giant part of what a color artist does. Um, and uh, it's, if they do it right, it's completely invisible and they get no credit for it. <laughs> And Ryan Blessing does it perfectly. So, how does a studio like Periscope work, and like, what was behind the founding of that as an institution? Uh, entity, wanting, wanting to be around collegial colleagues. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, cartoonists uh, tend to, uh, to to put themselves in isolation, at where they where they slowly go insane. Um, it happens to so many folks. Uh, yeah, I think I think people create better, and they they do better uh, in the company of other people. Uh, cartoonists can can talk to each other while they work, which is a, a great benefit that, that that we have over people who just write for a living. You can you can have a conversation while making a drawing. Um, uh, and yeah, we we decided that we wanted to work around each other. It, we started off in 2002. So we've, we've been around 
14, I guess our, our, bar, our, yeah, our, our bar mitzvah was last year. Mazel um, tov. Yeah, th- thank you very much. I'm going to get the studio a pen. Um, Aww. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, we came together in 2002. There were initially 11 people, uh, and at the time it was it was all superhero artists uh, and um, yeah, everyone kind of working in, in pretty similar veins. Um, yeah, around 2006, 2007, we made a conscious effort uh, to expand, to bring in uh, more women because it was very much a boys' club when we started, um, to... Uh, to get different ideas, different opinions, uh, different different ways of working, different markets, we wanted we wanted uh, to really expand what the place was like, and, and over time we've been able to do that. Uh, it also helps a lot that we we started a, uh, a mentorship program. Uh, we've we've cycled sixty some people through there at this point, and we 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 were able to we were able to, to set up an internship that wasn't the usual exploitative kind of internship thing. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that's, that go under the name of internship that are, you know, give us, give us three months of, of free labor and in exchange, we'll, it will be a line item on your resume. And we, we didn't want that. Um, but just, you know, all the older artists in the group had been, you know, uh, you learn a lot over the course of 20 or 30, of 20, 30 years of business. And we, we wanted to be able to pass along some of the things so that, uh, how, how best to put this? Um, sorry for the dead air. I was, I, I was about to do a really horrible metaphor that I'm going to drop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting, getting your start shouldn't mean taking it in the shorts. It, 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 for so many folks, it, it, they, there's like whole infrastructures in this business that are designed to, to get uh, a few years of, of largely un, of mostly unpaid labor out of artists when they come out of art, art school, uh, in, in the, uh, and give them back almost nothing, and we wanted to see if we could help them avoid that. See, this is this is this is living your values, and like this is like actually like a political thing really like that you have set up a system in which you are not perpetuating like inequality and exploitation. Um, I think that's awesome. It's, it's important to us. And um, I think one of the reasons that, that the studio has lasted as long as it has, uh, has is is that, that there is, there are shared values running through there that that we, we do want to see other cartoonists flourish um, and that and, and there's there's a joint sense of mission in the place that uh, that's what, what's good for good for your friend in the studio is good for you too. Um, I've you know, I've seen uh, people in the studio who are competing for the same job, helping each other out with their pitch. That's really sweet. Uh, like when when you went in the earlier period, like trying to bring make it more diverse like what how did you go about doing that just figure out who's in town i mean no one was going to fly to portland uh to you know to join the group uh you know i'm, I'm going to leave my apartment in, in in chicago and move to portland so i can sit in a room with other cartoonists people do um, that though people like to be with other artists like that's i live in new york like 
you live in Portland. People like go to do what they do here, except for less money where you live. It's like, the, you know, it's the same thing. This is true. Um, but I, I suppose I would have, I would have, and I still would hesitate to, to ask anybody to, to uproot their life to come and, and, and rent a desk from me. Um, uh, but we, so we, we looked at who was in town. Um, there were a lot of wonderful cartoonists, especially uh, much younger folks who were doing stuff on the web. And we, we, we liked and admired what they were doing, and we invited them to, uh, to come by and, and, just, and just use the space for, you know, for a week or so. There was a, uh, a really wretched heat wave that hit Portland in the summer of, I think, 2006. Uh, and that got a lot of people to come by and visit. Um, you, you are building air conditioning, and, and, and so, yeah, suddenly the, 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 uh, the, the you know, folks were returning the casual emails from six months ago. Hey, you mentioned you know, um, and uh, other you know, other folks. You know, uh, uh, the place was initially useful to them because we had a big scanner, uh, uh, a, a, a tabloid-sized scanner was. Uh, it was kind of an expensive thing to have in the, in the early aughts. And we had one. We're, we're more than happy to, to let the cartoonists use it. Uh, now we, we get folks coming in who want to, you know, who, who wanted to try out our Cintiq for a couple of days. And, um, and, and you know, we're, we're happy to let them take a shot at that. In these days, the, the biggest limit on it is just how much physical space there is in the room. Um, we've got 28 members of the studio, plus interns and ex-interns who come by. Uh, spouses of some of the cartoonists also like to come in and use use the space. So the biggest limit is always, yeah, yeah how many chairs can we get into the place? And we, we we occasionally actually fill that out. It's cool. actually really cool. So some of it, well, you said that you you know invited like web card um, comic or cartoonists to come in. Is there stuff that like you learned from them because, you know, thinking about when you started, you know, that wasn't something that really existed then. So, you know, tons, in ways. I've learned tons yes. from them, uh, both uh, stuff about, about, uh, about web cartoon, web, web comics as a medium, uh, about, about using social media, about doing things digitally. Um, one of my studio mates is Dylan McConus, who's just this brilliant polymath, uh, great cartoonist, a terrific writer, uh, she she's able to to speak uh, business development language as eloquently as she speaks English. So when we have to write a business letter, Dylan is the person I go to. Um, a terrific graphic designer. I've learned a ton from her. Erica Mullen's another one who's uh, a a brilliant brilliant comedian in comics form. Unbelievably sharp comic timing. Uh, I, I I study her her work religiously for how to tell a joke with pictures. Um, and also a really, really savvy internet businesswoman. Uh, she's you know, she's taken her web comics from uh, personal diary strips that she was doing during study hall to a business that that fully supports both her and her husband full time. Yeah, wow, it, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, and she's just she's just a genre that didn't even exist before. Like there was no genre of like sex education <laughs> comics. Yeah. Plus, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Had, had you told me that someone was going to make a living off of voluntary donations for their sex for their sex education comic, uh, I 
you know, before I met Erica, I would have laughed in your face. I would have said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sit back and wait for that. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> and, and I've, I've, I've watched, you know, I've watched her and Matt build that edifice and uh, to, to the point where Ojoy sex toy is, is a, a, a first rate business. So, you know, so what, what I learned from them, stuff like that all the time, um, one of the youngest members of our studio was an artist named Lucy Bellwood. Um, and yeah, Lucy is almost exactly half my age. And I feel like taking notes every time she starts talking about, about working in comics. Uh, really, really smart, super attentive, uh, ridiculously energetic, and is always coming up with, with, uh, with one more way to, uh, <laughs> to, to get her, you know, her her comics in front of a supportive audience, and the comics themselves are terrific, and uh, they're 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 motivated by uh, a, 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 an obscure passion. She's she's a huge fan of tall ships and tall ships sailing, so mm. uh, <laughs> her comics tend to focus on 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 um, on the history of that, the lore of of of, of big boats, um, and you would not think that you could that you could eke out a living telling stories about boats. By God, Lucy is doing it. That's cool. You have quite an awesome crew of people assembled over there. Uh, uh, I I used to joke years ago that the reason Portland had so many cartoonists was that uh, some prominent business folks here uh, shifted from collecting comics to collecting comic book artists. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of what's happening with us at this point. Um, we, you know, it, we've just been, been, been accumulating a, this, this tribe substitute family slash, uh, kind of a, a, a nerd kibbutz. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. It, it, there's, there's no good name for the structure that we have. Um, I mean, formally it's an LLC, but all that refers to is the fact that we've got, that we've signed a lease of the building. Um, there's the actual ties that, that keep it all together are are deep and intricate and they don't pretend to understand exactly how they work. Well, if you guys ever do decide you want to be an actual like technical entity of a co-op, I have an old coworker whose husband's business is helping people set up co-ops. <laughs> I, pre- oh, I appreciate that. That, that, that. that could be useful for us at some point. <laughs> well, I, you know, you, now that you have your like, big image book out, you know, which is an, it's an ongoing series, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I always have to wonder, like, is there some character or concept that you wish you could do some point in time for like the big two? Man, there's, there's lots of characters that I would enjoy drawing. Um, I, I, I talk about the Submariner a lot, uh, particularly in the, in the, uh, yeah, you know, super aggro dude who looks like Spock wearing speedos phase of this <laughs> character. Um, uh, I Swamp Thing, that the character I mentioned at, at the top of the interview, uh, still fascinates me, and I love drawing nature of all sorts. So that would be that would be a pleasure. But what what really grabs me is is smart stories, and and the, the, uh, just about any any character. Uh, can be attractive for me to draw if the story is totally compelling. If I believe who the, if I believe in these characters, if if they're if they're going through things that I find interesting, 
if the story is if the story calls for pacing that lets me do what I like to do with with page creation um, mm-hmm. and more often than not uh, filling those kind of interests means doing creator own stuff uh, whether it's a, a, a book like white out with Craig Rucka uh, or underground with Jeff Parker um, or telling short stories with my wife Sarah Ryan um, it's it's always it, it's it's the writer and, and and the and the collaboration that really pulls me in, not not the character. Mm-hmm. That's an unsatisfying answer. I apologize. No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> but it also explains like you, you sort of hit on this earlier. Just like why are so many like C-list villain books like good? And it's because you actually are making things about interesting stories, and you're not beheld into people's paranoid concerns about intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 least interesting thing in comics is preserving IP for the stockholders. There's 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 just nothing there. Um, now, if if that if that's if that's a happy side effect of you telling a great story, that's wonderful. But it it's very easy for that to be the the primary goal rather than 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 the happy result. And when that happens, you know, you, you get product rather than stories. But, you know, in terms of, like, what are the comics that are, like, claimed by fans and by critics, like, it's not, it's very rare for it to be, like, an actual worthy, like, marquee character title that people are yeah. particularly excited by. Yeah. Um, although, it, it, uh, to be fair to my friends who work on that stuff, that never that never excludes it. Um, no, but... Yeah, my, yeah, my bud Jeff Parker is, is working on, on a bunch of... of uh, Hanna-Barbera adventure characters right now. And the actual cartoons are of zero interest, zero interest to me whatsoever, but he's working with uh, Evan and Doc Shainer, a, a terrific artist who's absolutely in sync with how Jeff thinks about story. And the two of them are going to make some great stuff. He's doing uh, the and, future and, quest, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah and, and I can't, that, I can't that, wait for that. that. Book, yeah, it's going to be dynamite. Uh, similarly, uh, Black Widow to me is just, it's it's generic Hollywood lady in generic leather suit, um, but when it's Mark Wade and Chris Somney telling the story, I'm going to pay attention because those guys know how to tell a story. Uh, I'd be just as interested if it was a if it was a story about uh, you know um, a dog, a cat, and a bird on an adventure, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to hold it against them that they're that they're doing this with corporate IP in mind. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I don't think there, there could be a, a basic concept that's less interesting to me than, um, than, than an old Scottish duck and, and his nephews. <laughs> but I could, I could read Uncle Scrooge comics all day. So I've been told. I've never actually read those. I know that that's all. Oh, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're brilliant. They're, you know, they're beautifully crafted miniature pieces, miniature pieces of art, just wonderful things. Or, you know, my favorite stuff these days that I'm just devouring is John Stanley's Little Lulu comics. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dark Horse, Dark Horse has brought these back into print, and they are fantastic. They're, these things are 70 years old, and they read absolutely modern. They're uh, every, literally every page has three or four moments that. That, that are just delightful. Um, 
And you could probably see a lot of the rhythms of, of my get of my joke telling in the fix uh, in, in, in little Lulu. <laughs> I, I learned a lot from how to, you know, from how to build a joke from those stories. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Like to have this sort of variety of influences translated into something different. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, and we 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 do we do a few more dick jokes than 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 they do in those books, <laughs> but um, <laughs> just a, just a couple more. Well, I'm looking forward to the next issue. It sounds like there's going to be more man versus dog uh, drama than we <laughs> yeah always get, get always build out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think what I can tell without spoiling. Not much. Um, <laughs> This is of no use to your listeners, but I will totally get you a PDF real soon. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hugely excited about the book. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's surprises and fun in every issue. Um, lots of laugh out loud moments, and some real big twists too. Uh, we can, we can change the. T- we found that we can, we can get away with changing the tone quite a bit, from really funny to really dark and back. And I think I, I think the readers will follow us through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. I mean, well, the, the end, the end, the end panel on issue one is uh, of a dog is striking, and it sounded like on social media you guys might actually be trying to. I mean, one of the things I see in a lot of the creator and titles, actually, I see it in general, is folks are trying to figure out the right way in to having a conversation with their fans about something that's connected to the comic but isn't of the comic. So, like. Squirrel Girl has a number of people talk about squirrels, and you guys sound like you're going for a dog angle um, in in some of the social media conversation. Mm, a, a lot of it's just it, it, it's just my own personal obsession. Uh, I I had never drawn dogs much in, uh, until Superior Foes, and I found that I really like it. And now now I'm just one of those those, those idiots who, who who stops every dog walker on the streets to tell them what a good dog they have. Um, it's, it's just being reflected in the comic. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I will, I will chase people down to, to, to ask them who's a good boy. Um, even if they don't have a dog, I'll ask them that. <laughs> so one of my, yeah, the, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, please. I was going to say one uh, funny thing with that dog. Um, it takes me back is one of my earliest jobs ever was working in, uh, for press at a county legislature, and I had to work up a retirement release and congratulations for a drug dog. And I spent like an entire <laughs> afternoon not just coming up with the release, but I also had to come up with quotes from the elected officials. And every single quote I had, and I wish I had like kept the papers around, is the way it would work is. I would come up with like five different versions, except I was just a little shit and decided to entertain myself. And every single version had like a double entendre that the dog was retiring because it, it uh, uh, got a massive cocaine addiction from sniffing all the drugs and had to go to rehab. <laughs> the world I was working in to write this press release. And they, they picked one of, like the, one of the worst ones that I had. And I'm like, are you sure you want this one? And I, I wish I had the release because it was one of those, like, everything went downhill from there, basically. Like, I could not top that. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that can quickly lose you a job in a bureaucratic organization, but <laughs> I, my, my hat's off for doing it. Jeez. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I was fired a few months later, but that was because we lost the majority. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, if you knew the vote was coming, then it's worth going out on a bag. Wow. Yeah, it was entertaining. I, I just I wish I remember what the quotes was because I've just I haven't written that well since. But it was oh, all about. I, I would. Yeah, it was amazing. I would. If that was, I would track that. I would track that 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 speech down, print it out, and you have it you have it framed or or <laughs> bronzed or something. I just want to remember what my versions were because there was like I had to do two quotes, so that means there was there was ten different versions of each quote or five different versions of ten quotes total, and every single one was more smartass than the last. <laughs> wow. Yeah. At, yeah. I feel like there's there's probably a good coffee table book somewhere in there of of you know what's the of of the last thing that various social media interns posted before they knew they were going to lose their job or things like that. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah, just you know, call the collection "No Fucks Left to Give" and, and just bring bring all the best stuff together. Hmm. Yeah, no, this was like put it out and presented. <laughs> like it wasn't even That's, social media. We're, we're talking yeah, like oh, yeah, a proclamation. <laughs> Jeez. One of the, the, the strangest things that, that I ran into like that was uh, Portland had you know, Portland a few month, a few years ago actually declared April to be uh, Portland's official comic book month. Um, and he, having the mayor uh, addressing a group of a big group of cartoonists and, and comic book people and, and making references that somebody had put into his speech for him was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. <laughs> oh yeah. I write quotes for people a lot. Like that's, that's part of my, my job. Um, so I'm like, what do you mean? That's well, I guess that's weird for most people. Sure. You know, I, 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 I just never expect uh, these worlds to intersect at all for the same reason that it's always really strange when I, when I look at, I see some musician I listened to 20 years ago opining about a comic online or something like that. How do you even know the comics exist? That's just, yeah. I forget that, 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 that nerd culture is mainstream culture now. It's because we're cool. That's, that's how it happens. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'll take your word for it. I wouldn't know how to identify it if, I, if, <laughs> if you put it in front of me. Um, Oh, so underground. I actually hadn't heard about underground, uh, your graphic novel. Is that who published that? That was image. That was image. So um, that's still, is yeah. it still in print? I'll have to check that out. Still in print. And we, we also, uh, we, we put it online, um, uh, on a, uh, on a, on a pay on the honor system deal. If you go to underground the comic.com, you can, you can download the whole book for free and then pay afterwards if you feel like it. We've got it in English and in Spanish. Oh. Um, and uh, it, it's 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 a, a a solid thriller that that Jeff Parker wrote and I drew. Um, it's it's claustrophobic as hell. Uh, <laughs> we I wanted to to do for you know for for dark dark enclosed spaces what what whiteout does for brightness and cold. Um, the uh, we, we put it out in 2009. It got some very good reviews, and the market didn't acknowledge it at all. It, it, that, that, that stone hit the lake, and it, it just dropped underwater and didn't make a ripple. Um, it, uh, it, about a year or so later, it 
it had a, a huge spike in attention and sales when it, it got pirated on 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 4chan and and uh, it, it opened up this 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 big conversation about about file sharing and stuff like that. Um, I do remember and, that conversation. Yeah, uh, an odd, interesting time for you know, for for three or four days. My mentions were just exploding everywhere. Um, but the, the happiest result of it was that we got a lot of readers out of it. Uh, and still super proud of the book. It was just a few years too early. Now that that image is is the the monster of marketing that that it is. It would have. Uh, I feel like if if it had come out in in 2014 or 2015 instead of 2009, sales would probably would have been quadruple what they were. Have you thought so about re-releasing it? Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what is that? Sorry. Have you thought about re re releasing it? At all? The, it, it's it's still available. The um, <laughs> we it, it, it they 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 printed several thousand copies in in 2009, and th- those books are still available today. Um, it was resolicited when we solicited uh, the fix number one, so okay. I haven't gotten those numbers back yet. Um, but yeah, most of our audience for it are 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 the the are the 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 pay what you want folks, and it's it's doing perfectly fine there. Um, I, I think the biggest problem was, as Jeff Parker put it, you know, we made a spelunking thriller, and you know, it's, it's a genre that nobody has heard of. <laughs> there, there, there just wasn't there wasn't this, this overwhelming uh, uh, demand from readers for for you know, stories about 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 crime that are set in a cave. It's Oh, that's interesting. Whereas, like, really, like, the fix is a genre which, as you said, like, is an established sort of crime caper drama that just, comedy, which exists in movies but does not exist in comics, really. So it, it, it is a weird thing that in comics that's that's considered almost alternative. You know, I remember having that same conversation about Whiteout, where people were were surprised at what at, at me taking on an alternative project like that, and only in comics in in in, in the year 2000, could you call one tough cop an alternative genre? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't, yeah, this is not, this is not, not obscure uh, artsy material here. Um, but comics for a while had a re- had just was really, really tunnel visioned about that stuff. Thank God it's, it's changed immeasurably. And, and I, I can't wait to see what it's like 15 years from now when, when those 2 million young ladies who've been reading uh, we've been reading Raina Telgemeier's stuff. Decided to make their own comics. Yes. It's, Hell yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it'd I be an entirely know. different medium. Yeah. And I, I'm prepared to be completely alienated and like not understand it. But unlike old people today, I will know that it's my place to shut up and like not <laughs> try to make everything exactly the same as it was Again, when I was yeah. reading comics. Yeah, you know, I, I, like I, I've I've already been Meltor Man at a Metallica concert once. So I'm, I'm ready for it again. <laughs> at least this time, I suspect they'll be making stuff that I I know why they like it. Because um, you know, it, I'm I'm 40 years older than than most of Reina's readers, and and I can totally see why they like it because it's great comics. Um, and, and yeah, there's 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 so much stuff that that that. That young readers uh, of my era would never have gotten to read 
that's that's just out there everywhere now, and we're gonna we're gonna be seeing delightful stuff from from that next generation. We already are. Um, um, in the the half hour I had to walk around the, the convention floor this weekend, I saw all kinds of of beautiful self published books and uh, prints and mini comics and things like that by by artists who. You know, they definitely couldn't get into a bar without being carded. <laughs> yeah, that's one of yeah. my favorite things about at conventions now is like, you know, as, as great it is is to go see kind of the the established folks. Like, I love going through Artist Alley and and finding folks and or you know, stumbling on people that I've never heard of. Um, you know, to me, that's one of the the best things about conventions today is is that ability to to really meet so many new people and and find so many cool comics that you know, aren't going to make it to store shelves. Oh, yeah. And occasionally I get to watch these things develop in real time. You know, one of the benefits of, of being in Periscope and having that, that mentorship program is that we meet a lot of young artists at the start of their careers. So I got to watch folks like Benjamin Dewey uh, go from you – know, go from a, a webcomic he was working on with his friend to developing the tragedy series to working on I Was the Cat with Paul Tobin and, and Autumn Lands with Kurt Busiek. And he's, he's, he's just a monster talent. He's exploded. And that, I got to watch that happen in real time over the course of seven years. Same with um, Jonathan Case, um, who, when I first met him, he had just, he'd just come to Portland from the Savannah College of Art and Design where He'd been a theater major, not an art major, but he he grew like a whiz and was able to. Um, he was working on on a, taking this this one act uh, play that he developed and turning it into a graphic novel that eventually be, became Dear Creature, um, and it it, it was it, it was really exciting watching him go from a guy with with six pages and an outline to to a, a fully finished book. Um, I'm, I'm going through the same thing right now with um, our, our, our current um, mentee, intern, whatever, whatever the verb, whatever the term is, um, Odd Cook, uh, A-U-D-K-O-C-H, uh, who's got a, a, a web comic called Rain Boots and Mandrake Roots. That's fantastic, and she, I don't, I don't know how old she is. She can't be more than 25. Um, but she's already got both gorgeous draftsmanship and uh, a near perfect command of the rhythm of comics and and how pictures fit together to to, to make a scene with rising and falling action and stuff. All the stuff that I can't begin to teach. Uh, either you you speak comics as, as a native language or you don't. And and she's got it. And right now. I feel like the only people who, who know about her stuff are the people who, who follow her on Tumblr, uh, my studio mates, and now you guys. What's <laughs> your name again? Odd Cook, A-U-D-K-O-C-H. I like to think I'm cool and hip to the kids' Tumblr thing, so I'm, I'm going to have to, <laughs> have to oh, check that yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, wow. Gorgeous. You guys have good taste. Yeah, oh, she's unbelievable. She's she, she's going to be a huge star in a few years. If she's listening to this right now, she's crumbling up and and, 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 and cringing in horror and embarrassment. But I, yeah, but I can say that. Um, yeah, total talent to watch. Uh, it, it's it's tempting to 
to look at young artists who are this good and feel like a dinosaur watching mammals running around eating your eggs. Oh, um, God. <laughs> you know, there's your, meta, your horrible metaphor for the day. Um, but bring them on. Bring, bring on the lemurs. Bring on, <laughs> bring on all, 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 all the, the quick little things. Because um, in addition to someone who, who, who makes comics, I'm someone who reads comics, and I want to see what they come up with. That's awesome. Yeah, her stuff looks like Arby Beardsley sometimes, which is like the best thing for something to look like. Um, well, thank you. I, I, I really just want to say it's amazing what you guys are doing to help mentor new and young talent and like make sure that diversity is part of that and like not be an exploitative situation for people. Cause that, that is like really like, yeah, progressive values in comics and make me very happy to hear that. So, and I'm not surprised. I could tell that from talking with you online. So. I'm glad to hear it. Um, and I, well, boy, I, I have no follow up to that. Jeez, um, I, I, I hope folks will I hope folks will check out some of the artists I mentioned and take a look at their work. Yeah, thank you. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I often ask people, like you know, as, as we're packing up, like, what do you think folks should be reading? And it seems like you've answered that very, very well. So, oh, do you want to let folks know where we can find you next? Or I know Emerald City Comic Con is just over. Are you going to be going yep. to any other cons this year? Uh, I'll be. I think my next one is the uh, Denver Comic Con. Um, that's that's certainly the, that's the next big one for me. Uh, and aside from that, if if you check me out on Twitter, Steve underscore Lieber, uh, I, I'll I'll babble on about about artists I like and and mid twentieth century illustrators I admire and weird photos of my cat and all sorts of entertaining things. Well, I appreciate it because you were asking, you had a question you were putting to artists like about influences and I ended up answering it without realizing that this was like talking about actual like working cartoonists and I'm just a critic. So I was just like, yeah, and blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, everybody come and join the conversation. So folks should definitely be following you on Twitter. Um, with your Twitter handle is? Steve uh, underscore Lieber. Yeah. Yep. And yep. we've been... Uh, tweeting it up all night so you can find it at the graphic policy uh, Twitter account um, and we've been posting a lot of your suggestions up there so people should go oh. check that up as check it out as well um, thank you guys so much this, this is a lot of fun it's been great having you I really really appreciate yeah. it well and, thank you again and um, I, I will be back I'm sure hopefully to talk in the future about it and I'm really looking forward to reading the next issue very, very, very much, and 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 laughing and groaning alternately, but like the groaning of like, <laughs> oh my god, you guys are so terrible, while enjoying that's it deeply, like because I am a terrible person. Oh, that's great. Yeah, um, <laughs> so that's that's the fix number one. Just just came out this Wednesday. It's sold out from the distributor, but there is a yep. second printing on the way, and your your local shop may still have copies, or you can get it through Comicsology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was to, really. Say congrats on the sellout. Seriously, oh, like, and so I also I've decided there weren't a lot of people like I just used the hashtag the fix comic. Um, I didn't really see. Oh, that's good. That, that, that is good. Ma- yeah. Okay. Otherwise, yeah, there's there's a, is it Chris Zilla? Uh, there's the political commentator whose who's at tag is the fix that I, I suspect yeah. his mentions are just ruined by us these days. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. way or the other. 
there has been a couple uh, political comments this week that I've seen from friends where they say the fix. I was like, I almost want to jump in and be like, oh, such a great first uh, first issue, and then I noticed that's not what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're talking about delegate counts or something. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> This will pass. No, well, politics will never end. I'm so sorry. Fat <laughs> <laughs> and cockroaches will live on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll, we'll have to have you again on uh, sometime down the road. Real pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Thank you. Have a good thanks. night. Bye. Yep. Bye. Night. Well, that was awesome. Not only do we get to discuss like really cool comics that you know we enjoy, but we get to hear from a creator who actually like lives by their beliefs and and actually practices them. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I always was saying like I could tell that he was a good guy. I just from our conversations online, so I'm not surprised in the slightest. And I did. Did I get to make my my alliterative? I did get to make my alliterative thing. I'm just like like a, the, the kings of caper comics with all, all K's because. <laughs> Of Stanley. Um, yes. So thank yeah, yeah. you guys for joining us this week. I know we, uh, this is a huge week in comics, so we're going to have tons of reviews up on the website, graphicpolicy.com. Yeah, uh, a lot going on this week, some some cool debuts. Um, and we will be back next week for a new episode, and we probably will have guests. But no, I think we deli- no, no, we're deliberately not having a guest next week because we just haven't okay. talked. We haven't reviewed anything for a while. And there's tons of new stuff coming out. And then the week after that, week after we that, do have a guy. fancy guest coming up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I was a week early. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, as always, thank you all for listening. You can catch us every single day at graphicpolicy.com. Of course, we're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Okay. Yep. Go for, go for your career. I'm on Twitter at Ilana, E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn, and also Tumblr, Ilana, Brooklyn. But mostly, if I'm writing things about comics, it's going to be at graphicpolicy.com. Yes. Uh, a, a lot of Brooklyn, as of the uh, recently quoted on the back of The Humans Volume 2, a lot of Brooklyn. That yes, same person. the self-same. <laughs> and the back of Phonogram Volume 3, The Immaterial Girl, Ilana, Brooklyn. Basically, I... I should probably write a review about how much I enjoyed the fix because I guess it'll probably end up on the back of the trade paperback. So <laughs> I gotta get on that. Yeah, we're we're going for that now. Uh, but yeah, you, um, you can also follow us at graphicpolicy.com. And of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all that stuff. All at Graphic Policy, keeping it really consistent. Um, no space with anything; just two words combined together. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening. You can listen to this episode on demand. Um, it will be up on iTunes and Stitcher, usually a couple hours later, and then up on SoundCloud tomorrow where it will be posted to the website so that you can listen to it again or share it with your friends or uh, see what you missed. Uh, but thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. And until next time, I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.